Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Glam Mirror. And before I start in with my guest, Justin Jedlica, who is known as the human Ken doll. I want to let you know, I really thought I was going to go into this hypercritical of him because of all of his crazy plastic surgeries that he's had done and what he's done to achieve the look that he's had. So I expected to be talking to somebody who was unstable or uneducated, and I actually found that he was extremely well-adjusted, extremely intelligent, and he actually made me second-guess the judgment that we put on him about whether or not what he's doing is right or wrong. Because at the end of the day, he knows what he wants and he's achieving that under the best medical care. I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts. So have a listen. This is my next guest, Justin Jedlica. Welcome to Glam Mirror. Hi, I'm Dr. Tabitha Mirror, and you are joining me for Glam Mirror. I am a cosmetic dermatologist here to uplift, inspire, educate, and talk about all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Glam Mirror, and I'm actually really excited to bring to you Justin Jedlica, who is also known as the human Kendall. Hi, Justin. Hi, Dr. Mir. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm happy that you were able to jump on, um, and I, uh, I hear you recently relocated from L.A., right? I relocated from New York City. Actually, I was in New York City, Chicago, and now just moved over here to West Hollywood. Oh, my goodness. I thought for some reason you were in Chicago now, but, um, well, I love L.A., so. The opposite. So, yeah. so (laughs) it's beautiful here. The weather's great. It's great. You're great. That's the one thing L.A. has. Um, So, in case people don't know who you are, I just want to give a little bit of a background and get into why I thought you'd be a fabulous guest. Um, I am, um, you know, a cosmetic dermatologist. I do a lot of aesthetics on people, and you Mm -hmm. are kind of known for your body modification definitely <laughs> you've had how many surgeries by now oh my gosh well well the cosmetic procedural number is what everybody sort of gasps at I yeah. mean and that's that's around 315 cosmetic procedures the surgical number is right at about 27 28 right now oh wow so can you kind of describe um, what procedures you've had done I mean, I've read them all. I could list them, but I'd love to hear you tell me in case I'm missing something. <laughs> sure. Um, well, the, the list is pretty long, but I, I've had five nose jobs now. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a, cra- a cranial brow bone shave. Um, I had the brows lifted. I had the veins in the forehead removed. I've had um, cheek, lip, chin augmentation with like permanent injectables. Had a fat transfer in my face. Um, I've done pec implants, uh, bicep implants, tricep implants. I've done the first in the world uh, three-piece deltoid implants. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the first in the world latissimus implants, teres implants. Um, and then I have my buttocks. I did all with injectables, but I've been like 17 sessions. Oh, your, your, buttock, your buttock, your butt is all injectables? I thought that was an implant too. 
No, it's actually it's, it's silicone injected. Actually, gotcha. So went in small stages, but uh, it's it's all it's all filled. <laughs> so before we hear our audience gasping, I want to kind of give everybody like a background because it seems like you know you kind of were drawn to this as a kid, but now you kind of have become a consult like a con- consultation service for all of this, right? Right. Yeah, I do a lot of plastic consulting now. That's sort of the, the bulk of what I do business wise. Um, sort of the idea was to offer concierge services to, to point people in the direction of specialists, the people that I sort of deemed as specialists just through my sort of trials and tribulations with going on a lot of consultations and trying to find the right doctors and people who were really, I think, honed in and skilled in their craft. So, um, yeah. And also willing to do some of these procedures because some of these, like, for example, the, the, the chest implants, the pectoralis, the latissimus, those aren't normally done by many physicians. Is that correct? Um, well, latissimus, deltoid, yeah, biceps even is a little hard a lot of times unless you're in a major city. And even then, yeah, to find somebody that's even willing to, to go through those newer procedures, sometimes it's difficult. So I definitely do keep an arsenal of those doctors. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I try to refer as much as I can to the people who I know do really good work. Gotcha. But you're right. It is, it is sometimes hard to find people that are that are willing to embark on new territory, just like my lat implants. It's sort of like I have to go around and pitch it to a lot of different doctors. Um, and a lot and of people say no to down. you. People refuse to do it. Is that right? I mean, I've, I've run across a decent number of doctors that say no more uh-huh. from the standpoint of the fact that they just don't want to risk taking on the procedure. I mean, I think they're comfortable with their 15 to 20 things that they have listed. Right. Um, and they don't really, they're not really looking to embark a new territory knowing that it's going to be three, four revisions probably before you know, everyone's sort of happy with it. I mean, we go into those procedures knowing that we're going to have probably a certain number of revisions. Nobody wants to, but it's, it's just par for the course when you're embarking on new territory as like a pioneer in the field implant. Gotcha. So in your, yeah, well, in your, so what you're saying is it's not they're doing it out of moral or not doing it out of moral or ethical. It's more that they just don't know if they want to take on this new procedure, like a new type of implant. I think that's part of it. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, for sure. I, I definitely think that that's, that's it. I just think that it's whether or not they really want to be an artist and sort of play in, <laughs> with something new and different or stick to sort of the the time-honored, you know, surgeries that they've always done. Um, so I don't know. They, they We had a, sorry, we had a, done a lot of different procedures over the years with, with, with a lot of doctors, just basic ones like facial. And then when I started moving into the body procedures, there's just so much more to sort of expound on and uh, yeah, I have even plans to this day. I want to do trapezius implants. Um, I still want to do quads on myself. Well, so but before I mean, we go down offer. down the road of how far, because I do want to ask you what you want to have done next, but I really want to paint a sure. picture of your background and what brought you to this because I definitely need to ask you the questions that I know that a lot of people have asked you in the past just so I can have you explain. But how were you drawn to all of this? To this body mechanic procedure. As a kid, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, as a kid, I think I was really enamored with um, celebrity and with wealth and fame. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a portion of it. I remember watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. It was like a big thing. I mean, I was born in 1980. Mm-hmm. So I remember like looking up to iconic figures like Michael Jackson, uh, Joan Rivers, Dolly Parton. And the one common thread I felt like I always saw with people who had means and who were celebrities that was that they, they seemed to all have very distinctive looks. And at that point, it was like a very plastic look almost. Yeah. So, so you like the plastic look. The lure. Yeah, I think part of the allure for me was that that was sort of a lifestyle I didn't have. I was brought up in a very low-income family, and it was sort of like dreaming that, that I bigger than I ever thought I could actually have. 
Um, so, you know, to, to think about me being one of those people, that as I entered into my 20s was one thing that was kind of tangible to sort of, um, I guess, fake it until you make it and feel like, oh, well, maybe I can be like those people, sort of embodying a little bit of that, that luxury that the rest of my life really didn't have. I mean, equally so, and in my teens, I, I was really very artistic. I loved like painting, sketching, sculpting, but always with the human form, whether that was male or female. So you're always drawn so, to anatomy um, and human form and perfect human form, is what you're saying. And so you basically use your I, I body that, as a sculpture device, kind of, to transform your body. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it was necessarily with perfection, but sure, with, with different, you know, different versions of the human form. And, you know, for me, I was always very enamored with, like, more cartoonish, over-stylized looks when gotcha. it came to the, to the human body. So that's what you're trying to achieve. Does it offend you when people call you a Ken Barbie doll? Does that offend you? I mean, because I'm not sure, like, when I introduced you, is that I'm like, is this, like, a good thing to say? Because um, that's what you're known as. Well, the, yeah, the media really dubbed me with that. Title. Yeah, they sure it wasn't did. So anything that was in, in the in the the front of my brain, you know, when I was saying, oh, I I love doing this remodel on my body, right? To resculpt myself, it wasn't necessarily to be uh, to look like a Ken doll, right? So, but I, I had to find a silver lining, of course, because I don't think that title is ever going to go away. And and if it's saying, okay, this person is sort of like the optimal version of like male male beauty, and you know, and has like success in their personal life as well as in their business. Um, you know, then, then I can sort of go along with it and think, okay, there's there's something cute to be had. And I mean, it, it's very, I think, inspiring for a lot of kids around the world, Ken Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get a lot of people that say, you know, what I'm doing is inspirational because it's really following your truth and your passion. And, um, you know, for me, like, this is an art form and it's more about being creative with my body. You know, I mean, you I don't also like I have any more commitment to it today than I did, you know, five years ago it's with, still... with my surgeries. It's, it's that that availability to be able to modify that and brings me back to it all the time. Which is great. But, you know, you also do get a lot of criticism, and I'm sure you have heard it all, where people are kind of uh, totally against what you're doing in terms of your body modification and changing your form. What's your, you know, what's your message for those haters out there, people that just don't don't like what you do? I mean, I think it's interesting because, I mean, as a society, we continually modify the way, you know, we look. And so whether you're doing that for yourself or you're doing it from what you hope to other people to, to look at you in a different fashion, I mean, we, we collar our hair, we wear makeup, you know, we spend inordinate amounts of money on clothing, on all types of luxury items. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just another different way that I validate myself. Not to say that everybody else has to do it that way. I think people get upset because they are under the impression that I feel like I'm perfect or that I'm having these surgeries in order to, to become perfect. And that's, nothing could be really farther than from the truth. I mean, I really look at myself as a nonconformist, mm-hmm. and I kind of revel in the fact that I don't want to look like everybody else. I like looking a bit overdone and a little overstylized. So for people to say they don't like that, I mean, it's a matter of personal taste. Right. I mean, beauty is definitely subjective. So, you know, one of the things that people have asked you, and I definitely in my practice have the same exact experience is body dysmorphic disorder. I'm going to tell you what I think after I hear your thoughts on this, because people have asked you, do you think you might have body dysmorphic disorder? Um, I'll be very curious to hear how you answer that. Yeah, I mean, I combat that all the time on television. Yeah, absolutely. At the core, body dysmorphia really stems from the fact that somebody who, it's a branch off of obsessive compulsive behavior. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, with people who fixate on certain parts of their body to mm-hmm. where they actually make it a huge issue, uh, issue in their head when a lot of times there isn't one in reality. Mm-hmm. So it's people who really aren't seeing themselves correctly for who they are um, when, when, they, when they look in the mirror and the mm-hmm. physical standpoint of that. Um, and I think I have a very clear picture of who I am, what I look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that there's a myth there. I mean, I just like to look a bit different. People a lot of times say, well, multiple surgeries on the same area is very indicative of body dysmorphic disorder. And I like a lot of times they reference me when they talk about that because I had four surgeries on my shoulders, right? So, but like I said at the beginning of this, you know, we don't go into those, you know, first of a time procedures and without the expectation of us having revisions. Um, it's something the doctors and I start with in our conversations, you know, that sort of set the expectations of where they need to be. Um, this is so, what know, once I've finished uh-huh. my shoulders and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done, I move on to the next body area. And this is kind so of what not- my experience is about the body dysmorphic. I have a lot of people who come to my office, especially with injectables, that the reason I don't think you have a dysmorphic disorder, and I'm definitely going to say that being a physician, I do not think you have a dysmorphic disorder, because I think the people that have the dysmorphic disorders start to fixate to the point where it's never big enough. It's never this enough. It's never that. So they take one area, specifically lips, cheeks, and they keep inflating it. And then if the doctor that they're with doesn't want to do it anymore, they'll find somebody else to do that same area to the point where it's distorted out of proportion. I feel like sure. with you, you're just kind of almost like you're using your body and you're being a scientist with it. Um, and you're picking what you like. That's how it feels like because you're trying to perfect the perfect implant for certain parts of your body to achieve a look. So your overall look, you know, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think about when I, when I kind of describe I mean, the differences? Well, I mean, I think that it, it, it depends. I mean, certain people, I mean, I understand, like, they start out to say, I want to go subtle, and they continue to go back for more and more and more. I mean, who am I to tell someone that's right or it's wrong? It's just, mm-hmm. do, they, do they really see it? Like, when you take a picture, a lot of times people, and I said, do you actually, does this register in your head that this change has been had? Like, um, and I think a lot of times it doesn't with people, and they can continue to go back really soon after. I mean, I try to tell people, let it sit and, sit and wait and let everything heal and sit down um, and really rethink when you look back in the mirror, how does this how does this look? Does that new picture register currently before you go back and continue to try to revise things? Um, you know, I, there's been a lot in the news with my friend Rodrigo Alves. Yeah, he just passed. Him, so he's sort of like mm-hmm. he's uh, one of who toasts himself as the human Kendall of London, right? Right. So he came out after I had with all the surgeries, mm-hmm. and he recently had a lot of uh, mishap with his nose. His last. That's final right. Party, his so. nose was melting. It was basically I had what? an infection. There was an infection in well, his he, nose recently, right? He got it. He did. He got a, a bacteria in there, and uh, his body rejected. He had um, like cadaver cartilage mm-hmm. used in the tip, which I mean we do here in the states as well. Mm-hmm. There's just sort of bad luck with him, and then he had got a necrotic spot in the skin that developed as well because he thinned the skin too much, and they were a bit too aggressive trying to cut out old scar tissue. So, and it's unfortunate, but now it's all come out about his body dysmorphia. And, you know, he's talking about a lot of that in the news, you know, and it's, people continually mix us up, um, not off the way we look. It's just in the media. They just see human Kendall and think, I mean, all the time people are like, I thought you died because there was another gentleman. There was that, another one. Yeah, up. I know. I know. There, well, you kind of yeah. coined that. You kind of coined that term. So now there's a few, few people that call themselves that. But like when you hear this about your friend, does it scare you for yourself? Um, or do you go into everything thinking, OK, this might be, you know, this risk that might happen? Like, are you very clear I mean, about think- that? 
with yourself? Yeah, I mean, you, I think you have to be with, with the risks of things. I mean, and, and sometimes I've been scared away. I mm -hmm. mean, don't get me wrong. It's mm -hmm. not that I always just go, eh, you know, fuck this. I'm not going to do it. I'm right. Go, well, go what scared you? Of the risk. What scared you? Like, what um, are times you know, that you've been I scared went, away? I was going to have my eye color changed, mm -hmm. actually. I went probably oh, about do 10 years ago <laughs> to Panama. Yeah. Uh, and I, there, there was a company called New Color Iris down there. And, um, it was the only place in the world you could change your eye color at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, they've since like, dissolved and reopened under a new name, mm -hmm. but they're still in business. I, I, my girlfriend, Pixie Fox, actually just had those implants put into mm -hmm. her eye last week, and, mm -hmm. but she went all the way to India to have it done. But when I went down there and then I, they told me, oh, you have to use these anti-pressure drops, you know, for, so you don't have glaucoma. Yeah. Um, it was for the rest of your life? told me before I flew down there. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, hopefully the rest of the duration that you keep the implants in at least and yeah, yeah. to be a permanent. Mm -hmm. So I backed, I backed out of that. You know, I was, it was so weird though. A few days before the surgery, I was having like, migraines, but I was giving them to myself because I was genuinely so worried about it. And that was something I knew if I went into it with that much angst, I would probably manifest a problem if there wasn't going to be one anyway. You know, in my head, I was going to think that there was, but I yeah. didn't have to step back and I wasn't going to do it. That was hard. I mean, I came home and I was in tears and I was upset. Because you <laughs> wanted I it. I felt like it was the right choice for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I told everybody I was going to come home with these beautiful green eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I didn't. But, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't right for me at that time. Yeah. So I'm, at that point, I, I weighed the risk and it wasn't worth it to me. I mean, do so you I think... I definitely have kowtowed down. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you talk about you came back home and you were kind of like really upset. Um, does that happen to you where have you ever been told no for something you really wanted? Uh, or have you been able to get everything you wanted done? Um, I mean, I had a lot of doctors say it can't be done. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I feel like a lot of times I sort of have a sense of pride because I feel like I did it when everybody else said I couldn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and although it's not really me carrying it out, it's just a matter of trying to find the right person and convincing them that it can be safely done. Um, I think for the most part, I mean, I've gotten, I've gotten through with most of the things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, or, and you know, a lot of times I think the doctor's skill set too, like my first nose job, I think the doctor did the best he could. I had four more after that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a matter of trying out different people's um, skills and also finding people that are willing to be a bit more aggressive. But also, I, I knew that I was taking more risk with each surgery for sure. Exactly. And I hope you're done with the nose because that, there's, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I am. Yeah. I, I think I'm good with it. I think, you know, it, it, it can't, I don't think it can be improved on a ton more. So the only right. thing I could see is, you know, if my aesthetic changed and I particularly wanted something different, like I wanted to go back to more of a scooped nose, but at this point, I mean, I like what I have, so I can't see myself wanting to change it in the future. What about future surgeries? Is there, uh, what's on your list for what you want next? Um, well, I want to do one more revision on my latissimus, mm -hmm. on my wings, on my back, because I feel like they're a little big, but I designed them, so <laughs> I'm not mad at anybody. Right. Um, so That's those, right. You design your own implants, those. right? I do. It's part of the services I even mm -hmm. offer with the consulting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I told myself as a custom implant design specialist because, I mean, a lot of what I do, I just actually did the, the world's first set of quad implants. Um, last week, my, my, I had a, a client that actually had them put in. So we spent like the last four months building those implants. So I've been now working on my latissimus implants for the last year and a half. Oh, wow. um, so I've, I'd like to do that revision eventually once we get the implant right. And then uh, I'd like to do trapezius implants and that'll kind of finish off my back. Gotcha. Uh, and then I do quads, calves. So that's sort of my five-year plan. And I'm sure you've been asked this before. Why not just work out? Why not just lift weights? Oh, well, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I haven't been to the gym, really, honestly, for the last seven years now. 
Um, but I mean, it, it, my motivations behind doing my implants really don't stem from trying to look like a bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. That might be a byproduct is that I have this illusion of strength. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's more about sort of that artistic, that artistic point and being, being a creative individual where, you know, no one else is really being a pioneer in this field except me. So I, I mean, that's what draws me to continue to go back and rethink sort of my shape and what else I can do to modify. So I think, you know, for me, I want to look, I want to look totally distinctive and different from other people. So mm -hmm. to say, oh, why don't you just go to the gym? That would entail that like I wanted to, that I'm doing this solely for, for, you know, what other people think. Right. And yeah. Or, me, or you're just about trying being to be an artist. Yeah. And sculpting this I understand. It's not about yeah. working out and developing the muscles. It's about creating the illusion like a, like an Correct. art form. Um, what do you say exactly. to people who say to you, you looked better before all of this? You probably I mean, it's heard their that. opinion. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I know I don't, it's, but I get it. It's, I, and, you know, and, and you, you know, like I said, beauty is subjective. So, mm -hmm. I mean, for someone to say that I looked better before, that's fine. Um, I mean, it's their opinion. But the fact is, I feel I feel like I look great now. I think this, the way I look now is, 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 is suits me well, right? But mm -hmm. the way I looked three, four years ago was great for that period, too. So I don't have a regret. It's not like, oh, you wish you did those things earlier or you wish you did this later. This is like a continual process. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's what's exciting and fun about it. It's, it's like learning and sort of being able to sort of reinvent yourself and, and being able to like when I go and travel and you pull different things from different cultures that you that are appealing. Right. That's exactly. like gross. Mm -hmm. I think just at its core and any artist that you see, you look at their body of work, you know, they'll have a consistent theme sort of. Mm -hmm. But then there are little influctuations where things change here and there. And I mean, I think that that's kind of exciting. I mean, who who wants to look the same way forever? It's like saying, oh, we're not going to change our fashion. I, you know, I, it's not true. Like there, there are trends that come in now with beauty as well as with clothing, with everything. Mm -hmm. So why, why have, do you have to have a commitment to stay one way? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror with Dr. Taba Samir. So you have this consulting business now. How did that come about? And what do you do? I'd love <laughs> well, to know because I know that you create, or you've actually designed your own implants and got them manufactured for yourself. So are you doing that for other people too? I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's part of the service I offer. So like with my consulting, uh, I do an initial meeting with people for $500. Mm -hmm. And I charge an additional fee if we do a custom implant design. Now, not everybody's looking to do implants, mm -hmm. but um, you can always order custom. So I literally do a template on their body, and then uh, I do the design freehand on paper, and then work in tandem with the doctor of the implant company to, to get them manufactured. So it's, a, it's typically a longer process, but to have something custom, it's really pretty amazing because nobody else will have anything like it. What kind and it's of directly onto your body. Yeah. What kind of clients do you have that are looking for these? What are what are your typical clients like? I think I think the majority of my clients are mostly late 30s mm -hmm. to mid 40s. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're middle aged. They're mm -hmm. professional people. Um, a decent number of the people I work with, obviously, are, are pretty body conscious. A lot of people, believe it or not, in fitness, which I know a lot of people laugh because they're mm -hmm. coming to me for implants. Right, right. Well, I <laughs> but, kind of see that. You know, they're, they're very body conscious. They're very body conscious. So um, I think this, this one person I just worked on, she's actually a bodybuilder and oh, wow. she's a personal trainer. Oh, wow. So the quadriceps were like an area that she felt like 
you know, she wanted to be able to have them be a little bit more accentuated. Wouldn't that so, be interesting if down process. if down the line when they have these bodybuilding competitions that they have a, a, a rule saying you can't have implants, <laughs> you know, like calf implants or whatever? That would be interesting to see happen. I got to ask you. So, yeah, well, I, uh-huh, I'm sorry. No, I think that, that that'll definitely yeah. be a reality. Eventually, yeah. they're going to have to. It's just like you know when you have like the Miss America pageant, yeah. or exactly. the Universe pageant. You know, they have to. They're going to have to put, add that into the rules. <laughs> so yeah, I can see that. All right, so I'm going to come to you and ask you about um, Bruce Jenner, his transition transitioning Caitlin. to Caitlyn. What do you think <laughs> yeah. about the surgery? Because I get questions, especially when he first transitioned and she, she came out as um, Caitlyn on the front of the cover of Vanity Fair. I had a lot of people mm-hmm. asking me what I thought. I would love to hear what you think about what she's had done and what you think she should get done, if anything. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no, come on. You let know, me hear I, it. You're con- I try you're... not to interject too much. Of what no, I but this isn't, this isn't this isn't this isn't a uh, criticism. This is like a consultation process. If I were coming to you, you know, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlin, you know, what would you say? What are your thoughts? I'd be curious to know um, what you think. I think his facial work is really good. I mean, I think yeah. obviously he's blessed that, you know, on the financial side of things, because a lot of the trans community isn't to be able to go through what he's done is a pretty big feat in a fairly short so fast that's the thing that shocks me is how fast it was at least media media wise all of a sudden we're watching the the barbara walter special and then two months later he's on the cover that seemed to happen very fast but who knows behind the scenes he was having a lot of that work i think throughout throughout his marriage this Mm -hmm. last marriage right Mm -hmm. i mean he you could tell i mean his nose i mean his hairline came down significantly yeah something i noticed on the kardashians and actually the doctor that was supposed to do his trach shave was the gentleman that did my forehead shave and my uh my last three nose jobs that i had so um it's kind of funny how small the world is yeah Um, but i mean i think his work has been really good um obviously i mean i think he could use some more body Mm -hmm. uh you know some with the moans that'll come in but i mean as far as his hips hips and ass yeah, that would kind of do wonders for him to build out a little bit more of that proportion. Yeah. Um, but other than that, because his physique is, straight, is actually as good as it's going to uh, look. Yeah, well, his yeah. physique is actually quite straight. He doesn't really have like he's pretty. He's like a very slim. You know, he doesn't have the curves that you're talking about, right. like the feminine kind of curves. Is that what you mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you can actually even implant those. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure he could one, just... Yeah, we did them, the hip implants. He, he could just that. ask his uh, stepkids what, what they did. <laughs> Ours. Oh, oh. <laughs> I think I think they're, I think they're filler. They're, they I do, do too. Absolutely. Kylie, yeah, absolutely. Kylie's fat or filler. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do with that. So you think his work is yep. really good and that you kind of feel like he's done... I think he's done a great job. I think it looks really elegant. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look artificial. It's actually really, really great work. Well, even I know I know that his um, they did eyebrow graft, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, to actually increase the arch because they didn't want to over tighten his lids, you know, and pull the forehead up too high. Mm-hmm. So they, I mean, they pulled as much as they felt like they could, mm-hmm. so where it still didn't look like it was overdone. I feel like, and and then they just added those extra grafts to give a little extra lift, which is a great option, so that you don't have to look like you've had a ton of work or been pulled too tight. I would actually, if it were me, um, I would give him a little bit more work on his hands. I think that a little bit filler to mm-hmm. kind of puff him up a little bit, so it kind of looks a little bit more feminine, you know, in the back of his hands. Mm-hmm. I think that could do wonders sure. for him, um, because even with any he's what his his, age yeah yeah so so you do like everything that he's had done so far i do i think i think i think it facially it all looks really good yeah a little more work on the body if you want 
Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think no, his face I, I looks think great. The facial transformation has been amazing. Yeah. yeah, I actually was very surprised at how how good it looked. So, what's next on the agenda for you? What What are you up to these days um, with with everything that you are involved in? So, I mean, I've been attempting to get my own reality show now for the last year, on and off. I've been with different production companies and pitching to the network. So that that's a hope of mine. Uh, it's um, like begging, isn't it, I, sometimes? I <laughs> uh, know, but everyone out here in L.A., that was really a big portion of why I wanted to move out here to be closer to a lot of the doctors that I mm-hmm. recommend, too. And then also, you know, to obviously try to push a little bit harder in the media to try to get my own show. Um, we've been working on a book, actually, with two co-authors about mm-hmm. Body Mod through the years. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously, I, I don't necessarily think of myself always as just like a plastic surgery junkie. The Body Mod portion of sort of why I do what I do is, is really kind of interesting to me. and mm-hmm. an interesting journey for me to, to sort of figure out that I fit in a lot with that group. Um, and so, you know, the whole idea is that, you know, over the years, Body Mod was something that we definitely saw with like neck elongation, with putting discs into the lips, with tribal scarifications. And they are typically were signs of honor. They were signs of coming of age, becoming a man. Right. And they were always looked at as being something favorable. And in my view, as a kid, I always viewed plastic surgery as almost a status symbol. Mm-hmm. It was something that people who of wealth or, you know, celebrities, people who were in the public eye a lot, that was something that was almost a given that was required to almost be a part of that upper echelon group, right? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what the book we well, wanted to true. touch on a little Absolutely. bit and on the current day subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Would you ever advise I, anybody against it? I mean, it's not for everyone. You've said that numerous times. Would you ever? Well, I mean, there's got to be some people that you meet along the way who you're like, I don't think you're a good candidate for this. I know for me, I, I have. You have. What What Definitely are your? Well, what are, mm-hmm. In my consulting business, I, I run across it on occasion. I, I had a. I actually had a girl who came to me who had a septoplasty and just to straighten her nose, and the doctor did a full-on rhino, and she was really upset and wanted to return her nose back to the original um, because she didn't like that this, this gentleman had sort of taken liberties and sort of done a, a modification on her nose because he thought that she would like it better. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of angst over this, and she had even had another revision. She came to me, and she sort of was pointing out all of these issues that, you know, I couldn't see any of them. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was nothing that she was actually pointing to. Mm-hmm. It was all kind of manifested in her head. And it's sort of like what we talked about a little bit before, that body dysmorphic disorder thing. Um, I feel like she had begun to fixate so much on it. No amount of change from a doctor would have ever led her to be a happy patient. She was always going to see something that wasn't there. And that's um, what and so I call body dysmorphic, because I see a lot of yeah. that with the, with the people that come to see me. Girls and men, so, you know, who just are never going to be satisfied, you know? It was hard because to sit there with her, she was someone who was so upset by it. It was even apparent in, like, her photo she had sent me before she had her septoplasty and she had makeup and her hair was done. And the pictures she sent me, like, the, the sun was shining, basically, and it was, like, picture perfect. And all the after photos were very much how she walked in when she came to see me at my office. And she was just kind of very dressed down, sort of very frumpy and lacking confidence. And you could see this, like, definitely trickle down. It was affecting her. But everything that she was mentioning about the things she wanted to alter in her nose were really things that I couldn't see, I couldn't address. And I told her that eventually, you know, I can send you to these other doctors. I don't think anybody's going to work on you because if I can't see it and I'm an overly particular individual, I don't want to say go to all these people and then they're all going to turn you down because I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. And it was a hard conversation. She broke down in tears and she was like, but you say, you know, you tell the doctors what to do. You don't let them tell you. 
and you know and to an extent i do try to mm-hmm. i try to push doctors a little further than they're normally accustomed a lot of times but i mean if somebody didn't see what i was talking about then there's definitely a problem and those are definitely not people that are healthy candidates for plastic surgery i feel like the people that aren't healthy candidates are the ones that are not going to be you have to manage their expectations and if if they a lot of times it's the that they are never going to actually achieve what they think they're getting. You know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. You think that a facelift is going to make you look like you're 25, and it, it won't. You know what I'm saying? So that's where right. I kind of draw the line. But I, I'm happy to hear that, you know, with everything that you are experiencing, you're able to still isolate people that you feel aren't, you're not a yes man to everybody. And I think that's important because I think people are no. going to look at you, see all of the work you've had done and assume that if they want something crazy that they can just come to you and you'll make it happen for them. So it's good to know that you can, you know what I'm saying? I can see how someone would think that, you know? They have to have healthy motivations yeah. and expectations behind it. Gotcha. Yeah. So you are fascinating. You're, I'm most struck by your intelligence because I think with first look, you might think, oh, this guy, he's, you know, crazy. He's doing all this stuff to his face. But the more you investigate, the, well, you know, I'm just telling you what I know that you've probably heard. But as I kind of like went further to research, yeah, I'm like, he's, he's really smart. He's very um, focused on doing things. Science, you know, scientifically as he can. So for that, I, I give well, you lots of credit. Thank you. It's exciting to be able to do the consulting stuff mm-hmm. as well. You know, like to be able to show people that it's not just this guy who's had crazy plastic surgery and it's unto himself. It's sort of being able to realize that there's a talent and a skill behind it. And now, you know, I can sort of showcase that in helping other people. And that's really exciting. I don't know if you had seen the episode I worked on botched with that Albert. Mm-hmm. You know, he had Poland's disease and we were able, you know, I, I designed him an implant for the one side of his chest to match the other. Yeah, so, you know, I, I thought that was fascinating. You know, that, the reconstructive implications are amazing. Yeah. Definitely. Right. I was able to sort of use my own personal journey to sort of be able to pinpoint what I needed to do with him and and get him a custom implant, you know, in a timely fashion where, you know, it really it really changed his life. And he's somebody who's been very happy. And, you know, we stay in touch. And I mean, it was great to be able to share that with the world because I think it opened up a different view from what other people had seen just basically in the media. So and it really started to turn around a lot of people's thoughts, I think. Which on is me. great. And that was it was a great it was a great piece. It was a good segment. Um. What about recently, Little Kim just came out with her Instagram photos. Oh. I know. I did a whole segment on this, too, and I actually released it on my YouTube channel, which is, it's, it, I called her, you know, basically called out what she's had done. Um, I mm-hmm. don't think it's good at all. I don't think the surgery she's had done is very good at all. What, what are your thoughts? What would you tell Little Kim? Well, I mean, to have to sit down with Little Kim to say whether or not it's successful, because, you know, to talk about someone saying they had bad plastic surgery when you don't know what their motivation was at, as an endpoint, it's like talking to, talking about Jocelyn Wildenstein. I mean, we can talk about her all day. She, we call her, the, you know, the line lady, the cat Yeah, woman. I know. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, but if that, was, if that was, you know, her desired result at the end, So you would consider it successful. It's, it's a job well done. Gotcha. So you're not looking at it what might look good or bad to the outside eye. You would say, is this what you consider successful? I mean, I think you have to, for yeah. sure. I mean, everybody, everybody's interests are going to be, or wants are going to be a little different, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to sort of look at the patient and, and listen to what it is that they want and not just weigh them against the rest of the world's expectation of, you know, ideal Western beauty. It's not really fair. Yeah. Um, so I, having said that, I mean, I can still comment. On, mm-hmm. I mean, I think obviously she does look a bit overly worked on. I mean, her canthopexy is so intense. 
Um, mm-hmm. Little Kim's not even. I know we're talking about Jocelyn too. Both of them. Well, when um, people don't know what candelplexy so, is, it's the you know the eye area. The slanting, uh, the slanting, yeah, the slanting and yeah. Of the eye. It's 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 basically a way to take the edges of your lids and restitch them and reposition them so you have that kind of slant look. The cat eye look a little exactly, bit, yeah, more yeah. of an almond shaped eye. Yeah, I mean, and obviously her her nose job is really intense. Yeah, um, I mean, it, to me, I would say it doesn't look like a great nose job. Um, no. But I mean, if if she likes that, then she likes that. I mean, like I said, you know, one of my, my biggest icons is Michael Jackson. I mean, he was somebody who had an extremely <laughs> done looking nose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, to the point where he obviously had issues for years. I mean, is that what he gen- genuinely wanted it to look like? I have a feeling it kind of was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely pulled more towards our Caucasian female version of beauty mm-hmm. and that's sort of the way he definitely critiqued himself and curtailed himself um, so it may very well sort of be hers as well you know she's definitely uh, westernized and, 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 and lightened her skin Caucasianized herself I think right yeah, um, absolutely big time um, yep. where it doesn't all really fit it doesn't all really fit when you look at the picture and you can kind of read that it's definitely interesting to see the, the transformation on her though absolutely so for people who want to find you can you let us know what your social media handles are and what your uh your consultation business um information is sure yeah um i can find my website it's www.justinjedlica uh, dot com and uh, all my social media is, is linked through Justin Jedlica, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my fan page. Uh, it's J U S T I N J E D L I C A. And we're definitely going to have links to that on the description. And you know, thank you for being open and honest and answering all of my questions because they weren't all nice questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was great. Thanks so much. I appreciate the time, Dr. Mir. And definitely, um, you know, I'll, I'll have you back on should we have to talk about any Breaking Bad celebrity news, okay? All right. Specifically great. plastic <laughs> surgery. Have a good one, okay? Definitely. All right. All Bye. right. Thank you. Too. Have a you great got day. it. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.